Good morning. This morning we're, we're going to be looking at a very famous family. Now if I asked you all to, to, to think of a famous family, you'd probably get a different answer from most people. Some people might think of the royal family. Um, the younger people might think of the Cardassians or people looking to America might be looking at the, um, the Kennedys or any, if you're a music fan, you could be thinking of the, the Nolans or maybe a wee bit old fat there, but <laughs> <laughs> but cartoon fans, maybe the Simpsons, but the, the list could go on and on, but there's one thing that all these families um, have in, in common and that is they're all dysfunctional. But let's be honest, uh, um, it's not just famous families who are dysfunctional. Every family has its problems. I remember back in my days working as a taxi driver and listening to people complaining when they're on their way to and from parties, family parties, weddings or even Christmas get-togethers. But of course, nobody here would know anything about that, you wouldn't, because all your families are perfect. Right? <laughs> in truth, though, every family has a black sheep, don't they? They've all got one person that pushes the boundaries and gets into trouble. And if you don't know who the black sheep in your family is, then the chances are it's probably you. <laughs> but this morning we're, we're not looking at a modern day family. We're going to go back in time a few thousand years ago and look at a family who have not one but ten black sheep. It's one of the fam- most famous stories in the Bible. It's been made famous around the world. It's been turned into a play in the West End Broadway. And we're going to jump into the story of Joseph. Not the one who married Mary, but the one who had the, the multicoloured coat. But the part of the story that we're going to look at this morning is actually towards the end of the, the story of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to open them, um, go to page 44. And we're going to read verses 15 to 21. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father, Joseph. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Don't be afraid. He says to them. So when... When we look, and we're looking at fear and, and, and stuff, when we look back at the, the, the black sheep, these guys were the blackest of the black sheep, weren't they? These guys are the ultimate jealous brothers. The story of what they get up to is just wild and it's criminal and it's so dark. Thirteen chapters previously, we get to see how it all went down. So if you want to go to Genesis chapter um, 37, verses 20 to 27, and we read about what... What Joseph's brothers actually did to him. 
Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say, let a ferocious animal devour him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take them back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Galad. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judas said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. I mean, talk about jealousy. And from the moment when Joseph is sold in this, as a slave and declared dead to his father, the brothers and his father don't see or hear from Joseph again for 22 years. And they are well and truly convinced that Joseph is no longer a problem. But then as it happens, Joseph is now become he's now second in command in Egypt after Pharaoh. It's interesting when we look back on chapter 50, verse 15, and we read that when their father had died, their brothers were struck by fear, thinking that Joseph would now have his revenge on them for what he had done, or for what they had done to him. So they tell Joseph what I believe was another lie saying, before our father died, he said, you were to forgive us for the wrong that we did to you. Now fear is a word that we are hearing a lot of at the minute. And when we let fear take control over us, it causes us to panic and make us do things that we wouldn't normally do, like rush out and buy a lot of toilet papers. And I don't want to get off track this morning with the whole coronavirus, but what I want to say um, this morning is the Bible tells us there are two types of fear. There is a fear of the Lord, which brings with it many blessings and benefits, like wisdom and good understanding, leading us into a life of rest, peace, and contentment. And then there's a second type of fear which is not beneficial. This is a spirit of fear. And Karen already read out the, the, the scripture, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. A spirit of fearfulness and timidity does not come from God. And as followers of Christ, this is going to be a time when our faith is truly tested. And we need to stand strong and lead by example to those around us. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's get back to our story. When we look back on this family, can we really blame Joseph's brothers for all their behavior because they were really only following in their father's footsteps? Jacob, in his younger days, wasn't exactly a person who you would look up to. If we look back further into the family history in Genesis chapters 27 and 28, we read how Jacob deceived his blind father Isaac into giving him the blessing, or the family blessing intended for his brother Isaac. And then, in fear of his brother he ran away to live with his uncle. And so we see deceit and fear came from their family or from their father. But whether we like it or not, 
It is true that in some shape or form, we naturally take on the characteristics of our parents. But not only the characteristics, also habits, tendencies, traditions, and experiences of our parents. My wife, I have to be honest, is getting more and more like her mother. I get to the stage and I'm starting to call her wee Georgie. <laughs> and there are rules for living in, in our lives that have been ingrained in, in our, over years simply by being in the presence of our parents and just watching them and picking up the way that they do things. So is this simply to be accepted or be to sit back and say, oh, well, there's nothing I can really do. I'm just going to end up like my parents. Well, in Joseph, we see that this does not need to be the case. See, Joseph is able to break the mold. And if Joseph can do it, you too, you can too. But it just didn't happen by accident. His family had a rich history in messing up of lying and deceiving. Now, it would have been very easy for Joseph to make excuses for this and skim over it, but he doesn't. And I wonder, have you ever had time to sit and reflect on some of the unwritten rules that have been passed down to us? No doubt there are some really good rules. But have you had time to sit and reflect on what unwritten rules, unwritten ways of living have been passed down to you? Now it doesn't need to look exactly the same as Joseph's story, but are there attitudes, beliefs, rules that could be harmful or damaging to you in any way or anyone else in your life? That's a big question. And you know, I keep saying about these unwritten rules or ways of life that have been passed down to us, but rules that have come from our past but I guess it's not always about the case that they're passed down. They, they don't always come from a generation before us. Think of the culture around us. Culture is, is such an incredible force that it can be used for good, but it can also be used to shape us in the ways um, that are not what the way God would want us to be. For many of us who grew up through the troubles in Northern Ireland, if we are honest, the history of our culture unfortunately shaped us in a way that we lived in fear and distrust and in anger at the other side of the community. And it could be very hard to get rid of that deep-rooted apprehension towards anyone of the other side of the community. Sometimes we just get swept along, um, even without realising it. I used to have a caravan down at the shore and I, I used to love getting in the, um, the sea in my kayak. But even in the calmest of days, if I stopped paddling and just sat quietly... Um, I would have started to, to drift. Because even though the water looked calm and still on the surface, it was pulling with a mighty force beneath the surface. And sometimes it happens so quickly without you even realising it. Because of the, just because the surface looks so calm. And the power of culture and power of these unwritten rules in our life can be just like that. On the surface, there is no need to be concerned. All looks pretty good. But below the surface... These powers are working away at us and gradually, slowly shifting us away from becoming more and more like Jesus. So what do we need to do to break the mold? Well, we need to be willing to do our part. We know it wasn't just by accident um, that we see Joseph stand out from his brothers. Firstly, we've got to be willing to hit the pause button and take some time to look back. We have to be willing to stick our heads below the surface and see what those undercurrents are in our lives. The ones that are shaping and pulling us in a different direction from where we should be going. Second, we have to be willing to do the hard work of discipleship. And let's be honest, let's not be under illusion here. Discipleship can be hard work. It can be amazing and intimate and so good, but it can also be hard. You know, the responsibility of a disciple in the time of Jesus was to follow their teacher. And I mean that literally. 
They would follow their teacher more or less wherever they went. They would be in their shadow, learning, noticing, experiencing, soaking up wisdom and knowledge. They were to simply sit at the feet of their teacher and take in all that was going on and all that was being shared. We too need to sit at the feet of Jesus if we want to break the mold of who our past and our experiences have been shaping us to be. Just like we picked up from our unwritten rules of, uh, for life, by being around our parents, families and friends, we too become more and more like Jesus simply by spending time in his presence. By spending time in his, in his word, by spending time praying, by stilling our hearts and focusing our minds on our Father. By being in his presence and by being filled by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You don't need to leave here today and think, oh, I got to now start working harder and becoming more or becoming someone I'm not. No, the Bible tells us that when we are in Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit and he is called the helper. And part of his role is to reveal to us our sin and draw us closer to Jesus. So if you think you can't change your old ways or you can't break free from the past of your family or your culture experiences, then start by asking for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's as simple as that. And lastly, we need to discern the good that God intends in, through, and in spite of our family and past. You intended harm for me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Joseph is not focusing on the sin of his brothers. Instead, he is focusing on the goodness of God. In the midst of all his struggles and difficulties, Joseph decides to lean on the good that God has done and is doing through it all. He sees the situation through the perspective of what God has done and what God is doing and who God is. He's not blinded by bitterness, anger or hatred in this moment. I have no idea what struggles or difficulties you may be going through right now. I don't know if there's anyone right now who may be struggling to forgive. But what a challenge Joseph lays down for us. To fix our eyes on the goodness of God in the midst of all that is going on around us. We know we can be certain that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Even in the middle of bad circumstances, God is working for your good and his glory. Just look at a cross. I mean, imagine being there in that moment. Imagine what the atmosphere would have been like. It wouldn't have seemed for a second that there was anything good going on there. Everything in that moment would have been about destruction, the mocking and killing of Jesus. But right there, right in the middle of the brutal pain and suffering that mom was afflicting on Jesus, God would bring about salvation for you and I. And Joseph, we saw a man that broke a mold in his family line. Instead of going down the route of sinning to further his own position, Joseph was able to fix his eyes on God and allow God to do the work in his life. Molding and making him into the man that God wanted and needed him to be. For us, we have to do some work, but how good is it to know that the work we have to do doesn't look like earthly work? It doesn't look like stress or toil or sweat. It looks like sitting at the feet of Jesus. It looks like reflecting on who God is, what he has done, and what he is doing in the circumstances, in your circumstances. And it looks like becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, 
Just when I, when, I, when I look at that and I look at it about sitting at the feet of Jesus, and I think that's, that's great, great news for us as Christians. But when we look at what's happening to the world around us today and, and, and what's happening out there and the fear and, and stuff, and the people who don't have that peace of sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, I'm going to be honest. I do have a fear at the minute. And my fear is not running out of toilet roll. My fear is not catching the coronavirus. My fear is that people might die not knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I think we all have a responsibility as time to make sure that people know the gospel. That people know that there is a hope. That people know that there is a peace. That people know that there is a God who is in control. And I think People are, are, there's never been a time when people have been more open. And as Karen shared, we done the Alpha Way Day yesterday and three people gave their lives to the Lord. And I think at this, at this time we need to be out there and we need to be sharing the gospel with our friends and our family and our neighbours. And there might be somebody, there might be people here this morning who, who don't know Jesus themselves. I'm just going to finish with a short prayer. And if you're here this morning and you're caught up in the fear and the panic and the worry and the stress, why not just take the opportunity this morning and give your life to the Lord and come and sit at his feet and lay all your worries with him. So if you just want to just close your eyes, I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And if that's you this morning, just simply say the words after me. Father, I'm sorry just for the things that I've done wrong. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross for me, that I may be forgiven and that I may be set free. Lord, I thank you for your gift of forgiveness and of your Holy Spirit. I ask you now to come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Take away all my fear and all my worry and I give them all to you this morning, Lord. And I ask you now to be Lord of my life forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just say, if you were here this morning, you said that prayer for the first time. Um, there'd be a prayer team up at the, the front at the end who would love to pray with you. Um, and there's also a, a, a packs at the back that would love to give you. Thank you.